Autism now affects 1 in 88 children, in which 1 in 54 are boys, and the prevalence figures are growing daily. Autism is the fastest growing serious developmental condition in the United States that costs a family $60,000 a year on average, while the cause receives less than 5% of the research funding of many less prevalent childhood diseases. As to date, there is no medical detection or cure for autism. Help us at the JZO Modcast Network change that as April is National Autism Awareness Month. We ask all of you to join us this month in honoring the boys and girls who live with this condition each and every day of their lives in donating to a charity centered around researching and possibly finding a cure. Any amount is welcomed because chances are you personally know someone directly affected with autism. Let's come together and make a change. Crime is rampant in the streets. Criminals are everywhere. And why does no one answer this call to justice? Because they are at the Chatham-Kent Expo at the John D. Bradley Center in historic Chatham, Ontario, May 8th and 9th. Celebrity guest Tyler Maine, star of X-Men Halloween and Compound Fracture, is available for autographs and photos. Come dress as your favorite comic or pop culture character and compete for valuable prizes in our second annual cosplay contest. Watch the superstars of Pure Wrestling Association in hard-hitting action. Main event is Chatham's own Team Tapout taking on Revelation. Be sure to check out the JX3 Film Room for films from Chatham and around the world. And the video game room hosted by Game On Entertainment Services featuring a Super Smash Brothers tournament. And a day full of gaming card games, board games, even a Magic the Gathering qualifying tournament. So, Rob, how much for all of this? Well, Mike, funny you should ask. $15 for the Masquerade Ball and $10 will get you into CKX the next day. $10 for all day? $10 for everything. What a deal. So, Mike, where am I going to get my tickets for this? Tickets are available at the Game Masters Emporium at 55 St. Clair Street, Chatham, Ontario, and also available on GoFundMe.com slash C-K-E-X-P-O. And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Seeing Red. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. And I'm Aaron H. All right, kids, we're still here. We're still going. Um, I know that once you hear this, we actually have a little break in between. We have the the best of part three or part four. Um, but in reality, kids, we're still here from the previous episode. Yes, sirs and yes. And it is really late in the morning. It's two o'clock in the morning, and we're. And I have almost been up for twenty-four hours. <laughs> we'll crash after this. Uh, Rebecca's still asleep. <laughs> she had a switch. I changed her spot. She wanted the big couch. I took the little one. I was like, you know what? 
screw that camera. It's not coming anywhere. It, because what is it? It's, it's probably maybe four feet across. You know the couch that you're sitting on yeah. right now. As to this one, it's close to about six feet across. Speaking of comfy, and I probably brought this up in a uh, later episode. Okay, so for men out there, which I'm sure you guys are listening, taking your wallet out of your back pocket mm-hmm. from sitting on it all day is the male equivalent of a female taking their bra. I swear to God, it, feels, it has to feel the same. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. Because you're like, oh, my butt. And you're like, with the, the wallet. And you're like, oh, my God. I was going to say, See? It's like a load <laughs> off your shoulders. Yeah. Like, Damn, dude, I can uh, stretch. I can work out now. Fuck that. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> uh, it's an exhilarating experience. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. Your, your ass cheek is free. Right now you're like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, they may take our pride, but they'll never take our freedom. <laughs> Let's slam it on the. <clears throat> yes, we have won the battle. No. The Valkyries start flying through the sky and start doing the trump. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Late night shenanigans, what can I say? Yeah, really. Fucking dog, neither can I. Probably can we No, we, um, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about. You know what I want to talk about? The era of comics. Not necessarily what 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 was going on today, because we'll get into that when Rebecca comes back in the situation. But I want to talk about what direction are comics actually headed in? What do you mean? I'm saying like illustrative wise, creativity. You know, what I'm saying like recently, uh, Brian Michael Bendis came out to retire from Marvel, X Men specifically. Yes, I know. But honestly, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> I, for real, I remember when you brought it up. You were like, "Did you hear that Brian Michael Bendis isn't doing X Men anymore?" I literally did a happy dance. <laughs> he took off his glasses. He threw out his hair. He's like, "Boom!" Bust up the glasses shield, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Going through the house, Lacey's like, oh, David." Did you smoke something on the way home? Did you finally have that nervous breakdown you had? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy. For what? By now, this is X Men. Now, let me just clarify something. <laughs> <clears throat> because I was actually asked this uh, on Facebook. And. Because I, I, I literally wrote like a two page essay about my my happiness that Brian Michael Bendis is so uh, it's his it's his uh confession. <laughs> it's like <laughs> typing on Facebook <laughs> is like talking to a reverend in a Catholic church. 
Bless me, Father. I have sinned. I've been reading Brian Michael Bendis for like two years. <laughs> uh, but um, no, this was this was asked, and, and I, I, here's my answer to that. And then we'll get into your question. They're like, well, if you're this happy about Brian Michael Bendis quitting uh, the X Men, you must have been like absolutely beside yourself when Grant Morrison quit. And my answer was. I quit reading comics when Grant Morrison when, when Grant Morrison started writing X Men. I legitimately quit reading comics. In fact, I, even though I own them, and then you know we got to see all my whole collection. Oh my God! Yes. Um, you know I own those books that he wrote for five years. I have not read one of his books. That's not true. I read one book, and it was like, so. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it was so horrible. I'm like, no. no, no. <laughs> so there's your answer. Um, I wasn't excited or uh, otherwise because I actually, his writing was so bad it made me stop reading comics. That's how bad it was. And Brian, yeah. Brian Michael Bendis just don't write. <laughs> there's a complete, there's one extreme and then there's another extreme. Right. And they're both in the same basket because they're just equally as bad as each other. One you can't read. And one you literally can't read. There's nothing there. Yeah. Boom. Pow. Bang. Uh. Oh, wait. Hold on. What's the name of this comic? Automatopia? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Made by Marvel Comics. Um, That was a pretty good TV intro. Made by Marvel Comics. (laughs) You should do Yoga coming this fall or coming this summer. Coming this summer to a television screen near you, hopefully in theaters soon. The mongers. I got sneeze coming. Hold on. He's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was gonna say it's almost like hitting like. Uh, like climacta, you're like, <gasps> and it's like, <sighs> I know I hate that. It's like your face starts to turn so white, and you can't sneeze, and your face starts to turn so red because it's there and you can't get it out. <sighs> yeah, in fact, I don't know if you can hear it, my voice. I'm starting to get congested. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, it's allergy season. <laughs> it is definitely allergy season. I've had my fill. Your mom gave me some uh, some allergy pills, and I thought that they would work. No. no. The only allergy pill I will take is the one that makes me drowsy. Because it's an hour, two hours after I take it, I'm like gone. I'm out. <laughs> I'm like Missy over here on the couch. <laughs> I don't want to stay awake when I have allergies because I cannot breathe. And I still can't breathe while I'm well, sleeping, rather. But you're asleep, so you don't care. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, I don't feel shit. Fuck it. But, um,. <clears throat> to be honest with you, the the future of comics, I don't really think is is going to. It's going to change. I mean, it's already changing. Yeah, it, it's like I'd say it's about thirty five percent changed already. Because, um, because number one, you know, DC. Is owned by Warner and Marvel is owned by Disney. 
Yeah. And pretty much what it is is they purchase those names, those brand names of characters so they can make their billion dollar movies. While they're making billion dollar fucking movies, they're cutting back on the comic books. Yeah. You know, there's like 20 pages in a comic book now. Yeah. And 35 at the most. No. No? No. 20 to 22 at most. That's it. Within the last year? Uh, yes. yes. What? Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, there's still 32 pages, but the rest of them are, all, are ads. Wow. And eventually, one day, you're going to have more ads in a comic book than you are in an actual comic. You know, comic yeah, book. so it'd just be like reading a fucking magazine. Who wants to read a magazine? I want to read a damn comic. <clears throat> Sincerely. Who wants to go pay five bucks for a fucking comic? To read uh, car ads or video game ads or camera ads, you know, and and that's what's happening. It's I'm I'm really hoping that whoever they bring in uh, to write the X Men after this, and I don't even know because they're they're doing some really weird shit. They're combining universes and doing this. Yeah, and that. And I don't know. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't think there's much left to combine, to be honest with you. They're going to fucking combine Rocky and Bullwinkle to the Avengers. Yeah, really. Some shit like that, you know? But, um, it's... Okay, how do I explain this? It's okay that, you know, you pay very well for your artists to, um, you know, to live. That's that's cool. That's, yeah. you know... That's okay, you know, when I say artist, I mean from writer to editor. Yeah. It's it's okay because that's deserving. But <laughs> there, and it there it is. <clears throat> the there cows it. came home, people. Finally. Um but you know, if I think the day of the superstar artist is over. Yeah, I think so too. You know, because honestly, cuz I mean, not to cut you off, but if you think about it, all of the people that were the superstars at the time now have now have moved on, now have moved on. Like look at Jim Lee, he's right or not right, but he's 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 co-publisher of DC. Yeah, and he he bangs the fucking comic books. I like I was telling the book. I said I ain't never seen Superman look so fucking manly in my life. I know. I'm like, holy shit! Bring a whole another fucking ball to the ball game. Let's just face it: no one's gonna draw anything like Jim Lee. No, people will get close to it, but they'll never nail the quality of Jim Lee. Yeah, and you know what? I forgot his name. I, I've, I've been ever since I've been taking these pills. I, I've been forgetting. Um, the what comic? It's not necessarily a comic, but uh, the concept artist. For Metal Gear Solid. Oh, okay. And uh, Pacific Rim. <clears throat> He's one of my favorite artists of all time. Next to Jim Lee. Because, I mean, if I had my phone with you, I'd show you. But I have uh, on my phone, my lock screen is uh, the concept art for Raiden. Yeah, you showed me. And it's like, you can tell there's just an insane amount of detail that goes into his art, and it's nothing like you've ever seen before. It's not, it's not even something that you can copy, really, right? Because there's so much fine detail in it. It's just the same with Jim Lee. 
there's so much it's not even like a thought process for them it's probably a thought process for somebody else because they haven't been doing it for as long but then for them it's just like oh you want a quick sketch of batman boom bang it out right. you want a quick sketch of uh uh solid snake boom bang it out and you can go up to them at a comic convention and be like, oh, can you do this for me real fast? Like, yeah, give yeah. me a doodle. And it's like, dude, 50 fucking bucks right there. Yeah. But what I was getting to is that, <clears throat> sorry, my allergies are like all of a sudden just flaring. Kicked in the high yeah. Um, They're, okay, because like now, for example, and this is one of the reasons why I got out of making comic books. And I, I don't really talk about it much because I know people get pissed off about it. I ran um, originally it was Dark Myth Production Studios and then we changed it to MythWorks. And there was a comic book division. And, you know, I did my own comic books for many, 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 many years. Yeah. And, you know, once we started reaching out and bringing in different artists and then, you know, the law changed and, and shit didn't, I just didn't like it. And one of the big things is, is that now that's unionized, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm very pro-union. In fact, I'm part of a union. Yeah. But, you know, some of, just because you're part of a union, not everything is, you know, is good for the business. Yeah, absolutely. One of the big things is, now check this out. Say you're an artist. I'm the company. I pay you X amount of dollars to draw a script, right? Yeah. I give you money to draw. Right? Yep. You give me the boards, I scan them in, we make a comic book. By law now, through the unionized, I have to return those boards to you. Even though I paid you to draw me something. What? So, example, and they're like, no, it's totally different. No, it's the same thing. You're, you're going to go and you're going to get a portrait painted of you and Rebecca. Right? Yeah, you, you pay for them, that portrait. You, you give them, you know, X amount of money for the portrait, they give it to you, and you're like, oh, that's very nice. And he's like, okay, well, give it back to me now. Yeah. Same process. Yeah. It has made it where that's why these people are losing money. The companies are losing money. And yes, they're multi-billion dollar companies, but the the initial thing is, is they're losing money because of all these new and strict rules. And that's why, you know, because now there's, like, you can't pay a person on a standardized rate, you know, of 50 bucks a page. If if there's per union standards, you know, everybody's paid like rock stars now. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's, unfortunately, that's not the way, like, in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and the 60s, that's not the way it was. The more popular the book was... The more you got paid. The more you got paid. It, it really didn't have anything to do with the creator. Now, in the 90s, that changed when the image guys, which was Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, uh, Rob Liefeld, um, oh, fuck, what's that? Savage Dragon guy. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Anyway, they formed Image. They, they became rock stars of comic books. Yeah, and it didn't matter what the title of the comic book was. They carried oh, Todd McFarlane. Uh, yeah, Todd yeah, McFarlane yeah. was in there too, and um, the guy who made uh, Savage Dragon. You made Savage Dragon? No, I said and the guy that made. Oh, it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I just can't think of his name right now. Larson, something Larson. Eric Larson. Uh, yeah, Eric Larson, and um, 
you know, it didn't matter what level of the book was. These guys were such creative geniuses as far as the artwork. They had a demand on how much, you know. So it didn't matter if they did X-Men and made, you know, a million dollars comic book. Excuse me. If I were to hire them, they would still require a million dollars per comic book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that that's hurt the business. Yeah. Because in order to pay people like rock stars, you're going to have to bring in more ads because that's what pays for your book. Yep. Absolutely. So, and then it's starting to go into digital medium. Now this year, I think it's actually gone into like 35% of all sales is now through digital comics. I'm personally going, I'm, I'm getting rid of my old comic books that I've had for almost three decades. I'm getting rid of them, selling them, you know, because of the movie. And like I told you tonight, you know, I just, I don't have that emotional bond anymore with them. And I, I yeah, you, you feel like you can finally just let it go. Yeah. For a greater cause, really. Yeah. You know, I can go and buy a graphic novel, which is all these old books, you know, so I can read on my phone, I can read on my laptop or my yeah. tablet, and I don't have to worry about, you know, damaging it. I can just enjoy it as many times as I want, as many yeah. there. And I think that's a lot of it's going to, because that's what's happening with magazines now. I think magazines are over like 60% now are online, yep. and there's only like 40% left in publication. Eventually, comic books are going to get there, too. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like a, the magazine Maxim, uh-huh. they're, they're, they're like soft porn. Yes. And now it's like the internet's taking a hold of what do you need soft porn magazines for. Now you can go on look at uh, that stuff on YouTube. Yeah, you can go and watch a guy fuck a horse on YouTube. Yeah, like, it's... I think, uh, first of all, like you said, you know, people that make the art, they want to be paid like rock stars because they think, okay, I can produce and I can, I know what I can make. Right. So if you bring me anything, I can make it, but I'm going to charge you what I want to charge you, when I want to charge you, you know, when I produce. Right. And I think that the lack, like you said, the lack of creativity puts a huge, huge, huge drawback on the comic book medium because like I was telling you earlier um, off air that uh, that documentary on Hulu about Comic Con -Con, Uh there was those guys that I told you that tried to go in and they they brought their portfolios to Comic Con which I didn't even know you could actually do that yeah so what these guys were doing they were going around all the all the vendors and all the booths and stuff and they were like can you look at my portfolio can you look at my portfolio and this guy he just kept getting shot down shot down shot down shot down shot down <laughs> Excuse me. And he finally came out and he's like, you know what? He started crying. He's bawling his eyes. Like, hey, I really thought that I could just come in here. And this is when he didn't actually say this, but this is what he unintentionally said. I really thought I could come in here and actually, you know, not have to try to get signed to a comfort company. I'm like, really? And the other guy that was that was on there, he. He uh, went to Arch Enemy Comics. The first page they looked at were like, okay, we want to do a book with you right now. Because he was so imaginative. He was able to take that design to a whole other level. And it wasn't just like him trying to redraw 
somebody else's work. Yeah, exactly. And and kind of imitate the same style. Not he has his own style. That's that's the thing. It's, everybody wants to be a clone of somebody else. Just do your own thing. Yeah, find whatever works best for you. You don't have to make a clone of somebody else's stuff. It's like almost if you can perfectly match a portrait and a sketch and have it look like the same thing. Well, that's fine and dandy. <clears throat> but if you can take that portrait and make it in your own creation, people will like you that much more because you can take it to a whole other level. Well, look at Picasso. You know? I mean, yeah. And that's, that's, you know, he, he epitomizes the, the term of making it your own style. You know, yeah. Picasso. Yeah. And people are like, this, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and, and people have tried to be like Picasso, but he was the only one, you know, he was the originator of that style. Yeah. So it just doesn't work. Yeah. And th- like they said on the, the documentary, they're like, this is something completely different. It's not something that we've seen from thousands and thousands of artists already that are trying to maintain or copy what other people have already done. You know, that's what they're looking for. Right. And Jim Lee was a predecessor to the comic book world for doing that because he had such a unique style of art. And you can, and I honestly, I've I've noticed this looking through your comic book. People have tried to imitate Jim Lee's style. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it doesn't work because they mess up on certain details. They mess up on the shadowing. They make Wolverine look like fucking Professor X. I mean, what the fuck is that? Um, yeah, dude, and that's just something that I think I've learned as a, a comic book artist, and a, a lot of people may not know this, but I'm a comic book artist as well. Yeah. And I'm a published comic book artist. And one that's one of the things that you do is you find your own style. You find, yeah. you know, <clears throat> because yes, in the beginning you do, you start mimicking, that's how you learn to draw. Yeah, exactly. what you like. But then when you don't have to look at something to draw it and you just start drawing from your head absolutely it's you it's your style yeah you know and you develop on your style you know and, and that, that's not only in the realm of artwork but it's also in the realm of writing because i've been told so many times over the years especially now that we're in the hollywood basis and, and talking with you know people and getting jobs as yeah. writer, right they're like, you know, you have your own, it's a unique style. It's a David K. Montoya style. Nobody yeah. can write like me because it's my personal type of style. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, and you nailed it on the head. You have these thousands and thousands and millions of people that are just trying to, you know, mass produce, copy somebody's style. And that's not what they're looking for. They want something unique. Yeah. Unique cells. Something fresh cells. Yep. And risky business. That's that's what it is. It's risky business. It is because if you're not willing to take a risk, there ain't no way, there ain't no way in hell that you're going to be able to do anything with your life unless you take risks. Absolutely, and especially as an artist or a creator of anything. And like we were talking about, uh, Frank Morrison and Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, where is their creativity? <laughs> right where is the creativity is nowhere to be seen because obviously they can't produce comics that sell well that's why they got to sell it on you know comicsology or the marvel app or dc app you know what i'm saying right and it's just it doesn't 
it doesn't go anywhere. Not really. Now, Grant Morrison, if you can stomach two-hour documentary about Grant Morrison, it's very interesting because you're like, how? Just how? You know, he just got lucky. Yeah. He did. Somebody found him interesting as a person and decided, well, maybe he can make a story that, like, defeats the purpose of having a whole comic book series. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. One of my biggest hangups, though, is he was talking about, oh, you know, I, I put a lot of thought into, you know, the dialogue. And you're like, no, 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 no. If you know how to write a story, you don't have to. You don't have to worry about dialogue because your characters will be talking to themselves. Yeah. They're talking to each other. Yeah, you're it'd not, be a back and forth conversation. Yeah, you're not thinking about, well, let's see what he'll say. No, if you are writing a real strong, legitimate story, you they just talk. Just yeah. like you and I are talking. They talk. That's how it works. Yep. It is. Because in order, like I said, in order to have talent, you have to be able to get somewhere. With the things that you have, you have to build it up. You can't necessarily just be like, day one, I wrote the best comic ever. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it was a fluke, but it worked. No. You know, I mean, just like us, you know, we, the three of us took a, a big step of faith together. You yeah. know, and guess what? It most likely is going, your first try is going to suck. Yeah. Okay? Case in point, go listen to Scene Red number one. Oh, my, yeah, that was. Okay. And we were horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Everything that went wrong, went wrong. We were all shivering at the knees. You could hear the, the dangling background. It was just, it was all bad. You know, and over time, you do something over and over and over and over, you know, again, you get better at it. Yeah, you progressively refine those skills. Podcasting isn't really exactly easy. No, it's not. <laughs> People think it is. It's not. I mean, obviously, if you want to be a good podcaster, you have to have the means to do so. And I'm going to say something very mean, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Is you have to have the voice. Yeah. You have to. You have to have creativity. Yeah. You have to be able to carry on a conversation. That was me. I got another email. Oh my. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. I see GoFundMe. Hold on, hold on. You lost money. Oh, don't say that. My nipples are getting hard. <laughs> Theoretical boner is coming out. <laughs> Looks like it said they're sending me money. Hold on. Let's see. Dear David K. Montoya, you have just received a generous donation of 50 cents. You know, <laughs> but while this is loading, you know, and I, I know how you speak and I know how I speak. I talk more like this when I'm not on. Yeah, you're you're very subtle. You're not all. You you're not really an uppity guy. When you get mad, oh boy, the devil comes out. But I'm, you know me. I'm goofy all the fucking time. I can. But this is me. I, I'm very soft spoken. You know that's how I speak. Yeah. But when I talk in a podcast, the pitch goes up, and I get a little bit deeper, and I throw a little bit more energy into it. And it's just, you know, you're, you got to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to be creative. You know? Yeah. You know, I don't walk around going, hey, boys and girls. You know? Yeah. It's like, 
He's walking to a building. Hey, boys and girls. Welcome to my pocket change. Sorry. Yes. Is that the balance or is that just what got donated? That's what's coming my way. Well, our way. Okay. Uh, Watch out, guys. He's bringing out the nipple tassels. He's going to swing and he's going to... You can hear a glock and spill in the background. But it is... It's... it's, uh, Yeah, that helps a lot. That helps a lot mm-hmm. um, we, we've we yet to actually the time that you listen to this is probably going to be around the time that we're recording uh, we're not recording but we'll be shooting yeah. the trailer so <clears throat> that, that kind of helps come the time but anyway back to what I was saying is you know yes you do have to be creative and I, I know that like Kevin Smith he's a very big advocate he's like anybody can podcast this is true not everybody can podcast well. Successfully, yeah. There, and you can tell, I mean, if you ever watch Comic Book Man, and the very start out of Comic Book Man, they're podcasting. Yes. From start to finish. Yes. Because they're talking about everything that goes on within a week. And you can tell it's just like, hey, you know, what's up? It doesn't, it, it requires a little bit of thought, but with that little bit of thought, you can articulate a full conversation with a shit ton of people. And if you can't articulate a conversation with a shit ton of people with key points, right? you don't have a podcast. Well, because as you speak, I'm processing everything that you say. Yeah. I find a, a spot where I can knowledgeably say something in return, and then that's when I pitch my thoughts in. Yeah. You know, and that's, you, and that's another thing is you can't just get on there and let your partner ramble and ramble and ramble, which that was me in the beginning. I did that. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I did. You know, you listen to the first twenty something episodes. It was just me going. Yeah, because you couldn't wait to get it out. You were like, <laughs> you know, and that's just something that it's learned in time. You know, now in our first, and and I, I, I kind of feel bad about this, but you know, we've been doing this going on three years now. Yeah, you know. And in the beginning, I I wouldn't, and it wasn't intentional. And I, I think you know this because if you if it was intentional, we wouldn't be heading towards that third year. Yeah. You know, I just I had a lot to say. I just you know yam yeah. yam 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 yam, and in the very beginning, you guys really didn't say a whole bunch because we we didn't. Honestly, I felt like it was it wasn't it wasn't that we weren't trying to say anything. I think it was just like we. We felt kind of out of place because we weren't sure what we were doing exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we, when we felt more comfortable, you could tell when we settled down, you know, we can go ahead and jump into it. It's not something that a lot of people can do, especially like I met you, what, once? Once before. Yeah, once. And that's when you came over to the house. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm her brother. Like, okay. You're not invited to the baby shower. I can't do it because my wife says so. I'm like, okay. And then you come here. Hey, so we're going to be doing a podcast. What? <laughs> What's a podcast? What the fuck is a podcast? No. Well, I mean, I've heard a podcast before that. I'm like, how do you do a podcast? <laughs> like, I've only seen people live stream podcasts. Uh-huh. 
So, like, my idea was, like, I am not ready for this shit. <laughs> Big time. I am not ready for this shit. You're what are we even be talking about? I don't even fucking know. Want to take my pants off? Fucking do it. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, that, and that's another thing is the level of comfort for, I mean, well, you and I, the comfort between us. Yeah. But, you know, because we're, we're like, not related blood brothers, but we're brothers. Yeah. Right. And, but it took a while to get there. Yeah. You know, because you, you have to build up, and people don't understand this, is people don't come, become friends fucking automatically. You have to have trust. You have to have honesty. Loyalty. Lo- yeah, loyalty. You have to have all of that. You have to have the whole package in order to have a, an actual friend, let alone a brother. Because I really, I honestly do consider you my brother. Oh, absolutely. And just like with Riley, like, which is my half-brother, I consider him my brother, but I don't really consider him part of my family because I'm always, I've been away since 2012, so it's not like I'm not really in his life anymore, you know what I'm saying? Right. I can't really, I can't, I I, I can call my brother because I know he's my brother, and I love my brother, don't get me wrong, but. He's I just not uh, in your family. Yeah. Which this is my family now. Right. You know, I'm always here. I'm always around. You know, you guys can always call me. You can text me, message me on Facebook. You know, if I can't get back to you, then you know, you know, I'm busy. Usually, I try to get back to you or anybody that tries to message me or do. You know, I don't fucking check check voicemail ever. So that's like a no go. <laughs> I didn't know that actually. Yeah, I it, I for some reason every time, and this is always always. Always, ever since I've had a phone, and my first phone actually was a Virgin Mobile Pearl. I was like, "What's a voicemail?" <laughs> it's like enter your pin for your voicemail. I activate my voicemail. I'm like, "I don't use this thing." And every time since that time, I have always forgot my fucking pin for my voicemail. So I don't, I don't ever check my voicemail. So if you're trying to leave me a voicemail, don't try to leave me a voicemail. Leave me a text or send me an email or send me something on Facebook because I won't be, you know what I'm saying? That's the same thing your mom did. <laughs> She's like, well, I left you a voicemail. I'm like, just text me. I'll see it. It'll buzz. It'll go in my pocket and I'll pick it up. I'm like, oh, okay, it's Debbie. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the same here, you know, it's, if I hear the phone, it doesn't matter what time of the day. If I hear the phone, I'm going to answer it. Yeah. Case in point was yesterday. <laughs> you know, you guys' battery was dead in the middle of the night. You know, I got the phone call out. I, you know, jumped up and, and gave you yeah. guys, you know, a jump. Which we really appreciate because we definitely had to go out on the town and ride a roller coaster all the way back home. And I ate those nachos. And it made my stomach hurt. Now I got farts. Like no other. <laughs> I, I, I was telling, uh, David over here, I call him Kevin. You guys can't call him Kevin because it's not cool. Only I can. Or the family. Anyway. <laughs> but I was telling him, I was like, I don't understand how it's humanly possible to have this much gas in your intestine. Because I have literally been farting nonstop. <laughs> For the past, what time is this? Like two o'clock, two or three o'clock in the morning. I have been farting. It's fifteen minutes to three since eight fucking thirty. At least five times an hour. 
It's ridiculous. I've, I've never had gas this bad. I was like, never again. I will eat those nachos at the place. Never will I eat them when they have sit for a long time. Yeah. 12 hour nachos. <laughs> Don't try it. Yeah, really. But, uh, jumping back to the comics. Yes. Um, we got way off topic there, but. Yeah. No, see red. Yeah. It's true. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, we're talking about the change of comics and where it's heading. You know, a long time ago, you, you said that, you know, you felt that uh, video games was going to replace comic books. And at first I was like, no, 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 no. But I think it's something that you and I are going to meet in the middle with. And you can go to Netflix right now and you yeah. can watch their animated comic books, not like full-on cartoon comic books, Yeah, but they're animated comic books. Yeah. And I think that's where it's going to head. Yeah, that's true. I, I just don't see it. I don't see this. Number one, I noticed that kids don't read a lot, you know, no, for, yeah. for pleasure. No. Um, that era is long gone since 2003. <clears throat> um, you know, for example, Jaden he reads, well, he reads online, you know. Yeah. But for him to, he just, he doesn't read for uh, recreational purposes. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't do it for fun. Yeah, he, he reads because, excuse me, he reads because the things that he finds to read is interesting to him. And a lot of his reading is research that he's doing for himself. Right. So you take that into account. Children don't read unless they absolutely have to. Right. And that will be the biggest struggle and is number one because of me. I have very hard I have a very hard time comprehending things in a story. So I have to break it down in my mind mentally. Okay, so you read four lines, boom. Analyze it, read on. Analyze it, read on. That's why it takes me so long to read things, and she always gets mad at me for that. She's like, ah, let me see this, I gotta read it, right? So I'm reading, reading, reading. It'll take me like maybe five hours to read, like, uh, a manga. Well, you know, I taught Rebecca how to read at three. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know that just sounded weird, but it's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now a lot of people don't probably don't know this, but uh the age difference between Sir over here and Lady over here on the couch is almost eleven years. So you can only imagine, you know, what's what's going on in that time frame between her growing up and him growing up. Well, yeah, because when she was three well, so at two is when she was when I was introducing her to comic books and reading, and by three she was reading basic skills. I mean, you know, she couldn't pick up a full comic book and read it, you know, front yeah. to cover, but she was able to start to read like the dialogue. You know, that was yeah. one of the first things she started reading was dialogue because she wanted to know what the people were saying. Yeah. So, and that was because I was thirteen is when I got into it. So she was there, you know, going with you. Step by step, yeah. yeah. 
See, that's that's really cool. A lot of people probably don't have the opportunity to do that in their lifetime, actually. Learn something with their sibling that's, like, barely old enough to be getting up and getting out. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, that for her, I know she takes that into account. And pretty much her whole life is based off of that now. Because you get them at a young age, and then, boom, you know? Well, again, like, with Jamie, my son, um, you know, he he has the equivalency reading ability of a college student when he's 13. Yeah. You know, that was because, you know, I was always reading comics during that time and I was writing and, and you know, for a while he was into writing and, and in a way he still does write. Yeah. You know, he writes video game stories and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and he understood at an early age that... In order to write, you have to know how to, to read. read. Yeah. And, you know, that's how he, his ability to, to do that. And yeah. with Zoe, I think Zoe is going to be the one where she's going to learn through, like, websites. Yeah. Know? Because, um, or videos. Or, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Videos. You know, because <clears throat> it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the next kid, you know, because, the niche, <laughs> the niche is going to be. Um, did I tell you I finally came up with a middle name? Uh, no. Well, you you spoke about it, but I, I've never heard your actual decision. David, it's going to be Liam David. Liam David. I figured why not throw it in there, family name. Absolutely. <laughs> At least it's not like. Uh, let's see. It's that David Senior David. Junior, senior, David, junior, David, junior, David, junior, David, junior, David, junior. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's a little out of hand there. Well, because my biological father's name was David Charles Montoya. Yeah. And my name is David Kevin Montoya. And I don't know. I just, uh, I think that's the only thing that really, to me, sounds good that goes with Liam. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's... A girl, it's going to be Lily May, and uh, I like the name Lily, and May is from my great-grandmother. Um, she she raised me until the age of 11, and her middle name, well, her name was Ruby May, and, and that's kind of just, you know, yeah. in honor of her, because her husband, interesting enough, uh, his name was William, William Virgil, and Jaden's middle name is William. And that's where it comes from. Yeah. From my, my great grandfather. So I thought, you know, it just kind of all works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the weaving. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, because paying respect to me is, is a big thing. And, yes. and the middle name for uh, David is, is not really in respect to me, per se. I'm not naming him. How do I explain this? You're not naming him for the sake of you. You, right? You're naming him in the respects for your father. That you know, even though it'll be David Liam David, it won't be David Liam. Um, because I just I couldn't do that. I couldn't. No, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's still the heritage of a third David Montoya. Yeah, without being a David Montoya. Yeah. Because so. you know how the whole thing works out, so. And I've yet to figure out how I'm going to work it. I, I, 
<clears throat> you know, I hope this the youngest child doesn't have the youngest child syndrome because I really don't see me changing the name of Jazelmon. I've honestly been thinking about this. Yeah, well, no, well, she's been thinking about it too, and so have I. I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> because yeah. it it works. Jazelmon yes. works. Yeah, and I don't know. There's there's no. Jaisalmon Lee does, doesn't, you know, just doesn't, or Jaisalimon is what it would be if I put the third. Kind of sounds like Jaisalimon. Because it's, <laughs> whether it be Liam or Lily, it would still be a Lee. Yeah. You know, so it just, it doesn't mesh like Jaisalmon. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But back back to the comic things, because I do. No, no, no. I, I, I do remember saying that thing about video games, but I, I see where you're going with the whole animated graphic novel uh, type thing. Um, I think because video games are such on the rise right now, I'm not saying like it'll head that direction. I'm saying it'll be a popularity contest. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because just for me watching that documentary, it, it made me have like a revelation that because of everything being so popular now, it's not just comics are, you know, a comic thing now. Comics are a pop thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's just like pop culture. Oh, yeah, comics, you know. I love comics when I was little. Yeah, right. You know, you don't know your ass from your elbow when it comes to comics. And it's like, they see one movie and they're hooked, so they have to buy comics. They're you hardcore know? comic fans. Yeah, right? And video game adaptations of comics is probably the best way they're going to, you know, be able to put it out there because, like I said, from watching that documentary, a lot of these, not necessarily like um, higher up, you know, comic companies, they're starting to go down under because the demand for comics is so low because one, everything's starting to turn digital now. Right. Two, physical copies of comics are becoming obsolete. That's why comics are going up on the rise because nobody's buying any more comics. It's all virtual. So yeah, it's it's just one day they'll be worth nothing. The next day they'll be worth everything. Yeah. And it's and it's just a crazy roller coaster, because it's like if you don't catch it on a good day, how are you ever going to be able to you know do something with the things that you've cherished all your life that you want to give somebody else so they can so they can make new memories with it? You know what I'm saying? Right. And you can't do that with a video game. It, it'll teach you you know what's happened so far. Like take the back of the take the Batman Arkham series. Uh huh. I mean, that tells you, I mean, it doesn't tell you, like, everything that's going on. It gives you the very basis of what Batman has been built on. Right. And if you look at, um, what's his name? Uh, oh my god. Tim Burton. Uh huh. Tim Burton's Batman. You're like, what? That's funny. Because actually, that's what's in the DVD or the Blu ray player right now. (laughs) Really? Yes, it is. Zoe and I were watching it the other day. And, like, it's it's goofy. It's kind of quirky looking, but it works because it's this. It's works in a way that you're able to comprehend it without actually, you know, 
going into, you know, what used to be the 1966 Batman with Adam West and what was his name? Burt, Burt Ward, Burt Warden. So, speaking of which, did you hear about that? Hmm. They're coming, making a comeback. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But yes, it's yes. going to be animated. Yep. I was stoked. I told Rebecca about it. I, 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 like, that's, that's actually ingenious. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how old they are because they still sound the same. Yeah. <laughs> Gene Willikers, Batman. Yeah. That's the best part about it. I think it, and, and it's so weird because I don't know why, but so many people hate Adam West. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I'm like, he's not even, what did he do? Other than Batman, that's it. Yeah, like, I mean, come on now. He was quirky in Batman. Batman was quirky. It was in the 60s. Yeah, that's, that was the thing. It's like, okay, you look at all the Batmobile stuff in the 60s. You're like, "Mm, it's kind of funky looking. Got the bubble dome on it. You're like, what the fuck? And then you come to now and you think, well, Zack Snyder's Batman. And you're like, where the fuck did the tank come from? <laughs> you know, I was about to say, I, I have to be honest with you. Zack Snyder's Batmobile is probably my least favorite. Me too. Because it's, it's like you said, it's a tank. It's a tank. There's nothing Batman about it. No. The, the, the Batwing fighter was more Batman than that. And it looked like a alien hovercraft. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I remember in um the overdrive what this face the overdrive. <laughs> right. Oh no, not the overdrive. The autopilot. Somebody need to fix the over autopilot. <laughs> I'm baby. Christian Pale. Oh my god. But I mean like I said, if you look at the vehicles from from the timeline of when Batman very first started you mean yeah. all the way to like in the forties, that one? Yes. With the old uh what was it? Was it like it was, it was like, like a Mercury and it was like a nineteen forty Mercury with yeah. a, a Batman face on it. Yeah. Yeah, that was classic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, 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 like I said, if you look at all of the, the different challenges that you know, the times have faced to uh popularize the way it the comics perceive and I don't like I love the dark aspect because, you know, the Dark Knight series. Right. I love that. But have you noticed that more and more and more and more and more and more comics, <clears throat> video games, everything, movies, they're becoming more and more violent to appeal to more people. Right. Because violence sells. Sex sells. Right. Drugs sell. Blood sells. And I think that there's a more of a margin than just that, you know what I'm saying? Right. And that goes back to the same thing as the creativity. And I'm not saying we're making a horror movie. Right. When we didn't decide to make a horror movie. That's just what happened, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And we, we were all horror buffs here. <laughs> but to be fair, though, our second movie is a romantic comedy. Exactly. <laughs> See? <laughs> you have to have creativity there. You can't just go along the margin. And slide by like you're some kind of snake, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to name drop, but I'm just you know this is the story and the way it went down is you know we've become friends with uh, with Brescom, 
you know, and uh, Branston Richmond. And you can IMD, IMDb him. As soon as you see his face, you're like, oh, I know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can say that, you know, over the last six months or so, I, I've become close friends with him. And um, we're talking about writing. And he's saying about writing a script for him. I said, sir, you tell me what you want me to write, I'll write it. It doesn't matter what genre it is. I yeah. can write you a story. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Because I have that ability. I have that creativity. 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 I got my education here in Hesperia, California. <laughs> we're going to go and we're going to find that ISIS. I, I think ISIS and Katrina are headed out somewhere in Afghanistan. <laughs> Afghanistan. We're going to find them. We're going to. We're going to bring them to justice. Like SEAL Team 6 did. <laughs> oh, we're bad. I don't know why George <laughs> W. Bush came on, came on the scene. I know. He's going to go back to his treehouse and read Super Fudge. <laughs> no. But, like I said, uh, for the popularity of video games, I think more people are going to come out with more video game related like comic things because video games has taken off in the, it, basically its own industry. Right. They have their own sports. Um, it's called eSports. Uh, I don't know if you've ever I've seen heard, eSports. I've heard of it though. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's like a Starcraft, there's League of Legends, there's Smite, you know, all those, all those high, highly, highly competitive games. And it's become, you know, such a translation between the medium of comics and video games now, like I said, the Batman Arkham series, they they produced Iron Man games, Superman games, right? Hulk games, Avenger games, it's Lego Batman game yet. I know the only game that I I have seen within the last couple of years that isn't X Men games it, or game rather, um, the Capcom. No, actually, it's the X Men Destiny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, it was just an actual console game. It was yeah. just X-Men. Yeah. And like you said, with the, the Marvel vs. Capcom thing, that, that, I love Marvel vs. Capcom. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't do the justice that it does, that it should do with a comic adaptation because it's, it is by Capcom right. who makes it. So they they feel kind of biased. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So with that being said, the only ones that are doing it right, in my opinion, and I still don't think that they do it completely right. I think they do it the way that they're trying to be safe about it is the Arkham series. I agree. Because it, it appeals to the audience. Right. It doesn't appeal to fans. Now, here's a thought that just popped into my head. The only thing in the next 25 years, I don't think that the comic books that I know and grew up with will it even exist. No. Because within, within the next 25 years, one of comics superstars, if not the superstar of comics, is going to probably pass away. Oh, yeah. Because that man is old. Nine, he's pushing like 93. 93 yeah. So. <clears throat> and, um, you know, the only thing that I could see that could possibly save comic books is the indie comics. Yeah. Honestly. Because my biggest hang up is paying four dollars for a twenty page comic book. Yeah. That's that's a ripoff. 
It really is. That's what, 20 cents a page. And you know damn right the price of paper and ink ain't that much. No. I know for that. that. Yeah. (laughs) Especially for that stuff. You know, and I wouldn't mind paying five to six dollars for a 32 page code book. Yeah. And the independent creators are the only people out there that have that ability to expand their, you know, past 20 pages. Yeah. It's true. Because there's people don't find a story to tell very easily. They have to make up pages and pages of onomatopoeias. <laughs> or just pages and pages of ramble that don't make any sense. You know, I uh, I wrote a series a long time ago called Sorrow. It never got published. I was actually reading through that. It caught my eye when I was going through the papers. Oh, did you? So I was trying to organize everything. And I was like, Sorrow, what is this? I started reading them. It's pretty good. It's uh, it's all twenty pages long, mm-hmm. and the reason why I went twenty pages long because this was written in like the mid to late nineties. Yeah, and there was no such thing as digital press. You know where you could go and send your your uh, PDFs or your JPEGs in, and they can make a comic book for you. Yeah, you know if you were going to print a comic book, you had to do it just like Marvel did. Yeah, you know, that was your only option. <laughs> and one of my schemes to do this was to cut the page count so I could afford to produce it. To produce it. Now, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but if you read Sorrow, even though it's 20 pages per comic book, it tells a full story each comic book. Yeah. And it doesn't leave you hanging. It doesn't leave you wanting more content. It gives yeah. you a full solid story. And that's what they need to do with what they're doing now. Because they, how do I explain this? You can't have page one, splash page. Yeah, boom. Page two. Big cover of, or not big cover, but big page of just something. Yeah, whatever they can fit on there. Page two and page three is a double page spread. Page four, page five, double page spread. Page six is a splash page. That does not work. No. If you want to, now, okay, I, I'm, I like personally as a writer, as a comic book writer, I like to open up with a, a front page splash page because that's what grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do a half page. You know, just half of the page is one mm-hmm. solid. And then I'll have multiple panels underneath. But the trick is, is that you, you put as many panels as long as it tells... The, because each page needs to tell a part of the story. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that people that make comics nowadays, they, they forgot about. Yeah. Is, Basics. Is, yeah. <laughs> each page needs to say something. Yeah. They're, now... Nowadays, uh, something like half an action will happen at the end of the page and then another action will happen at the beginning of the new page. That is a big comic book no-no yeah. because you have a break in your imagination. Because yeah, you got to decide what they're doing. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Right. So you're turning the page, okay, somebody's about to get kicked, and you turn the page and they've been kicked, and you're like, wait a minute, what should happen? And you got to turn back and, you know, 
That's that's a big yeah, did I miss a phase? Wait, what happened? Yeah, that's a big no no. Yeah. I've had that happen to me a couple times actually. <laughs> You're like, What wait, what huh? You try to go back to what you just read and try to match it up what you just looked at and you're just like wait a second and i will go online online on record and say that stop using the comment or the marvel style okay that just, yeah if you have a lazy ass artist you're not going to get good content no okay let the writer write a script if they want 13 fucking panels on a page let them have thirteen panels on the page. Yeah, because the more the more success you will have within telling a story, you will gain more fans. You will get more money. It's not like it's not going to go away if you don't try. Because if you don't try, you're going to lose. So what do you have gained by losing? Right. And you know the funny thing is, is, is it's true, and you hit it on the head, and I don't think you realized it. Is the basics people have forgotten the basics yeah they really have the lack of content within any comic because if you go on a comicsology comicsology is all the comics you can possibly think of on there right and that is like the supernova explosion of comics you can go on there they have free comics you can read oh, yeah. a free comic and you'd be like, okay, you know, that was okay. And then you read, like, okay, sometimes they'll have, like, freebies, like, of, of Marvel, DC, and it'll be, like, a popular, like, Green Lantern, you know, right. uh, Superman, Batman, X-Men, you know? I've yet to find a free X-Men, though. Well, they, they've had, like, teasers. Oh, really? Yeah, they've had teasers. And I, I, I've downloaded them, you know, I, I flip through them, and I'm like, what is this shit? What the fuck is this shit? I mean, I realize it's a free download, but apparently it's a free download for a reason, because there's definitely something missing out. If you're trying to get, go for a free download, you're going to want something to draw people in. You're not going to want a piece of shit comic that you're just going to be like, okay, here, right. here's a shitty copy. Well, and you know something else, too? I was sitting there thinking about this while you're talking. Back in, like, the original Wizard magazines, they did an interview with Chris Claremont. Most of the writers today would not have been even hired. Did you know that back then, back in the day, it was mandatory, regardless of what you had, uh, you know, action going on in the panels, it was mandatory to have a page of written writing. Whether it be dialogue or narration, Yeah, it had to be one page equal to page of actual writing. That doesn't happen anymore. There's there's comic books now, Brian Michael Bendis, that there's like you know <laughs> poor Brian Michael Bendis he's just getting torn the fuck up this episode. <laughs> but honestly, sit down and write his dialogue out, and you might have two sentences worth of dialogue yeah. for an entire page. Take every little bubble, every single little bubble out of a whole comic. You won't even have a paragraph. <laughs> you will not have a paragraph. Probably of true. Take all the onomatopoeias, though, you could have one sentence. <laughs> it's true, too. <laughs> it's like, what, why did I buy this comic? I could go to fucking Big Lots or Walmart or Kmart and buy me a fucking poster to equal this shit. Because, and that's one of the things that I miss as a comic book reader to, of today. They don't do narration anymore. 
I've noticed that too. And where it's like back at the lair and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, and you know, and this then, is what's going down. And then it's like, okay, boom. It, it's, it's, um, the, the artist's storytelling is, is, is so dilapidated. <laughs> That's a good word. It is. It is. <laughs> It is a very good word to describe that. It is very dilapidated. I'm not even going to say that word because I'm too tired to say it. Dilapidated. It's, it's, uh, dated. Yeah. You said tated. It's dated. Dated. Dilapidated. Dilapidated. Dated. 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 <laughs> okay, Montoya. Signing up. Okay. <laughs> but it's, um, and that's why, like, when they, they brought back Chris Claremont back in 2000 they fired him because he was too wordy and he's like what are you talking about this is how I write my comic books <laughs> and they're like well people don't like to read that much <laughs> what the fuck did you buy a comic for then <laughs> look at the pretty pictures I know if you want to read something, read a book. Well, shit. I thought these were called comic fucking books. <clears throat> you know, that's funny you say that because do you know what one of my biggest pet peeves are? What? When they call them funny books. Funny books? I hate that. It's like a huge pet peeve of mine. They're not funny. If you want funny, go look at the funny on the back of a newspaper. That's where... Yeah, it comes because it's comic strips. Uh-huh. So they're like funny pages, funny books. And, yeah, and people don't understand that comic is a form of art. It is, other than being a comic comedian. Yeah, and people put well, oh, comic comedian, funny. Ah, that's how it, you know that's how funny books come together. Yeah, it's not funny books. It's no. a comic book. Comic. It's very comical. Right. You know, out of literally the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comic books I've read, and I'm probably underplaying how many by thousands and thousands. I've never read a straight comical ha ha from beginning to end book. No. I've seen, you know, funny moments. Yeah. But most comic books are not you know Number one, they're not meant for kids. No. You know, and that's that's probably the biggest misconception. Oh, comic books are for little boys and little girls. and They're toys for your children. No, the hell they are not. They are a very masterful work of art. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to make a comic book if you know how to write one instead of, you know, just printing out pages <laughs> and writing two words. <laughs> Bang, boom, pow. Oh, that's what it was. He grew up during the Batman 66 era. I bet you. And that's how he, he learned how Probably. to Probably. So they're watching Adam West is like, doom, doom, doom. I will, I, You know what? You go send him over to DC and let him write the Batman 66 series, and I bet you he'll be a success. Yeah. It'll feel just like you're watching 66 all over <laughs> again. Oh, man. You know, somebody, uh, uh, somebody, somebody listening to this is that 
You some bitch. You 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 nobody. Why are you printing out your opinion nation? I know. Because I've been around the block, kids. Yeah, well, let's just, let's put it this way. If you have not read any, any kind of comic book close to the early thousands, you're probably seeing red. <laughs> well said. Well said. Seriously. I mean, if you think about it, I know we're just beating a dead horse here. We're just having a conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, probably people are going, mm, you can't about the same fucking thing. I can't talk about the same fucking thing because it's irritating. That, and it's our show. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I discussed about the topic. Because if you like to read comics, you don't want to read a comic and not read a comic. You want to read a comic book, not look, not look at a comic book. Yeah. There's a difference. Oh, it's a picture book. Oh, that's what it is. No, a picture book is what you get your fucking two-year-old kid to Doc, look at. Dr. Seuss is a picture book. Yeah. It's a cow now, brown cow. Done. That is. Yeah, right? <clears throat> um, what was I going to say? Shit. Oh, that was another thing. Is people like, you know, watching on TV and movies and shit, and they're like, this book doesn't have pictures. You know, playing down like, yeah. you know, comic book is less of a read than a, an actual book. Yeah. Go figure. I mean, especially, like you said, pre-2000s. Yeah. Go. I mean, you can see, I've got books. I have, you know. Tons of books. Tons of books. Yeah. And reading a grip of old school comic books, you still you get the same fundamental reading enjoyment as if you read a novel. Absolutely, and that's why they made that's why they ventured out into the graphic novel era, and that's why you still see like if you think about it, okay, you're like okay, cool, Star Wars, you pick it up and it's like you know in a quarter of an inch thick. And you're like, damn, that's a pretty big comic book. It's not a comic book, it's a graphic novel. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. And that's why I think people, that there's a lot of misconception there too, is because people think, okay, oh yeah, I'm buying a big comic book. No, you're not buying a comic book, you're buying a graphic novel. Well, there's a difference between a graphic novel and a trade paperback. It's true. A trade paperback is just a bunch of comic books put together yeah. into one book. Yeah. That's a trade paperback. Graphic novel is one, one solid, solid story, yeah. like a manga. That's that's pretty much where they got the idea of the graphic novel from is a manga, because they've been having manga in Japan for years, years and years and years. And they they even came out with a um a was it a, I can't remember if it's a weekly or if it's a monthly. It's called Shonen Jump. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, uh -huh. but it's a it's like a it's like gay tall, so probably about what thirteen inches tall. Yeah, and it's about uh, about a foot long. A foot yeah, long. probably about a foot long. So it, it's a big thing, and it's a giant like graphic novel magazine almost, and it has like tidbits from different um, manga to be released soon. 
So you get a basically a sneak peek of all these different manga, and you read it, and you're like, wow, you know, and then it ends, and you're like, fuck, man, I want to read the rest. And they don't, they don't really have that here. No. Except for, the, I mean, they, they obviously they have shown in up here that you get to go to like Barnes and Noble and buy a shit. But you know, another thing is too when you talk about manga, is if you if you read a real manga, it's black and white. Yep. It's not color. It's straight black and white. It looks like you can draw in it. Almost, right. it almost feels like a coloring book. Like we were talking about the tick earlier. I said, wasn't that the like the original version of the ticket was black and white, right? Like a manga. <clears throat> so, yeah. and uh, you know, with us, with the United States and and other, you know, West culture, we we just we want to make the art look so pretty and, and and not focus on the story. As with manga, trust me, I've I, read my fair share of manga. I I was. I was here and around when the the big manga hit in, in the nineties. Yeah, you know when it really hit hard. Yeah, I was here. You know, I was a fan, and um, the stories were so they're super great. intricate. Now the artwork may not be that great. Yes, but the story is what it's about. Yeah, like if you go and you could probably find them. For an okay price, if you go and pick up like uh the first twenty issues of a Rune Kenshin manga, uh-huh. oh my god, you can be goosebumps just thinking about it. Is that you know? good? Huh? It, oh my yes, it is very good. Because I mean, you know the story about Rune Kenshin. Yes, is Samurai X, and you see Samurai X translating to Rune Kenshin. You're like, wait, what happened there? In fact, I think I might have a Ronin in my phone. So, I mean, like I said, you, you see the difference between Samurai X and then Rune Kenshin. There's a huge different translation between the two. Right. And then you can see the character evolve from that because he's, he's the reverse blade samurai. And then you're like, okay, why is he, why is he having a blade that's not on the right side? And then you go on to learn, you know, everything that's going on. And that's what I think, I, I think is so fantastic about manga is they do not have fillers. Like, if you look at some of these comics that come out, they have fillers like cartoons. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, why do I want to pay for, pay like seven, eight dollars for a comic book that's not going to be worth shit? You know what I'm saying? That's very true, yeah. So, that's one of the things I like about Shonen Jump is like, it gives you, you know, it, it's almost like watching, um, uh, trailers at a movie theater. It gives you teasers right. about what's going to come out. And you get excited about that. And you pump yourself up. You're like, yes. Yes. You know, I like that a lot. You know, when is it going to come out? I want to go pick it up as soon as it comes out because it, it, it seems that intriguing. <clears throat> and I think that's one of the biggest downfalls of what comics are becoming today. That's very true. Because it's not getting out there. It's not getting to the people. They need to find a way to get it to the people. You know, and I, I reference my stuff. You know, is um, the I I did a screenplay and you read it. Yeah, uh, it's called a Yelp Gnome. The what is it? The Yelp Gnome something. Fuck, I don't remember now. I don't remember too. It's it's, it's it's the ancient scroll one. And people tell me they're like, "Wow, 
you know, when they read it, they're like, this is great. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, thank you. And they're like, what, what, you know, what made you want to do this? And I said, well, it's my, my homage to manga. Yeah. And if you don't understand manga, you, you won't get this. Absolutely. But the story, now, mind you, I wrote the mongers in 70 days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yolt Gnome, I wrote in a year and a half. Yep. 18 months is what it took me to write the first draft of the Yolt Gnome. And it's because it's so inundated with details. Everything that happened happens for a reason. Yeah. Everything. And it leads. Yeah. Yes. And it was. For and if you pay attention later on down the road, you start to see all these different things come back and then you start having triggers in your mind that you're like, oh shit, no way. Like, you know, and it, it took me literally, it took me six months just to plot the storyline. Yeah. And it wasn't that, I mean, yes, it's one of my best stories that, you know, story wise, but it's. It's me following the guidelines of being true manga. Yeah. And that's what made me think about, you know, talking about manga. Yeah. Is that, that, though, you know, people here are like, wow, that's, that's great. But if it were to go overseas and, you know, be viewed by the Japanese audience, I think it would do well, but it would be, okay, this is manga. Yeah. They would interpret it as manga because it's, con it, they conceive it as mon uh, manga. Right. But it's nothing great. It's yeah. nothing special like it, it would be here because yeah. of how, you know, how weave the story is. And, yeah. and it was like every scene, there's a reason why there's every scene in the book. Yeah. Because it all ties into the very end. Yeah. That's one of the things I miss about reading manga. And that's what I like about, um, how they, how good writers, new good writers, uh -huh. which is very rare in this time and age for comics. <laughs> so I think that's awesome that like they can pick up these ideas from older comics and like draw them in. But at the same time, it's like when you draw on, you know, all those ideas, and you already have something going on, it doesn't make sense because why are you trying to draw back on something that's been cut off for such a long time right. and then trying to make something new out of it right? when it was put at ease a long time ago? But I can see, like, okay, plot holes. If somebody leaves plot holes in stories, like, what did this character do? Whatever happened to this character? You know, whatever became of this company? Or, you know what I'm saying? Right. And you can go ahead and pick up on those ideas and use them because it works. It's not something that has been put to rest. Right. It keeps the story going. Exactly. And then that's when you get all your your feeling come back and then that's when it gets popular because everybody starts to see what's going on. That's very true. And that's what I don't understand why people write the way that they do. Why don't people, if they work for these companies, they do research 
on the stuff that they're trying to write about. <laughs> I, you know what I don't think they research. I think they just pull they just, their ass. Yeah. They have to, or else they wouldn't come out with such shitty stuff. People still buy it anyway because it's nostalgic. It's something that they've liked already. So right. like, oh, hopefully the next one, it's kind of like what you're like, okay, maybe hopefully the next one will be better. Hopefully the next one will be, and you end up paying like 25 fucking dollars for a giant pile of shit. That's and you're like, why did I ever spend money on this? It was a huge waste of time. It was a huge waste of money. And that's what I think that they should do something similar to Shonen Junk, where it's like a teaser for all these different comics that are coming out. You can read like a couple pages out of what will be the comic when it is released. Right. Number one, stop paying artists stupid money. Yeah. Number two, stop bringing in Hollywood writers to write your scripts for stupid money. And, you know, get back to the basics. Yeah. That's that's what it all comes down to. If you get back down to the old school basics, and I'm not even, I'm, I'm talking basic, like, you know, 1960s basics. Yeah. And start rebuilding. You, you won't have to worry about your overhead. No. I know this as a business owner for so many years. I know this. <laughs> you produce good quality stuff. Sell it for cheap. Yeah, you're gonna sell more copies, and then you use that market price to slowly jack it back up, and then you'll be making more money than you actually need. Then you will be happy because you will have everybody else happy, and you'll be producing good content. Right. You won't have to worry about losses. You won't have to worry about overpaying people. You know, it's it's just. It's just one of those situations where we're going to have to sit back and just kind of watch and see what happens. It's almost like climactic, degra- uh, climactic degradation. Yeah. Did I use that right? Yeah. It really is. It is. <laughs> just sitting there, yeah, yeah. Comics are going to turmoil. And all the fans are just sitting here waiting for the movies to come out. You know, that's the thing is, is that there's people, you know, I, I, I used to be on this one group, you know, and I, I had to quit it on Facebook because they were just making me nauseated. But people are like, oh my God, did you read this last book or whatever? It's, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I thought, okay, you know, okay, you sold me. I'll, I'll throw a couple shekels down and see what, you know. And I'm like, how is it? Because there was actual action in the comic, you know, the act. There's a fight scene. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, I mean, again, growing up with comics, you had action in every, every panel, issue. Man. Yeah, every panel, almost shit. Look at Dark Horse comics, man. Their shit is so. It sometimes it's like raunchy, but at the same time, it seems like so ominous and just eerie. But then you look at, like, Dark Horse, Star Wars. Right. They can, they turn Star Wars from Star Wars into dark. But it's still Star Wars. They didn't lose anything. They just made it a little bit more darker. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't have to go full-blown. You don't have to do any of that. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to try to appeal to people when you already have an audience for people. But... Like I said, risky business. Well, again, it, it goes back to 
the basics. Yeah. You know, basic story writing is everybody wants to like dig into the deep, into the personal psyche of, of every single comic book. That is totally cool. Yeah. That is cool to have during battle, you know, they're battling their own inner demons, but they have to battle and it's like rush, go, 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 do, 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 save, save, save. Yeah. And then you hit them with a, you know, they're at home. They're all together. And now, you know, you can kind of, as a reader, you're like, okay, I can take a breath from all this excitement and adventure. And you hit them with a really good personal drama, slow, no fighting, yeah. you know, book, right? Yeah. But that always tells you, as a reader of old school comics, that if you hit a slow, lagging comic book, that means that they're giving you a breather as a reader uh-huh. because shit's about to hit the fan yep. next issue. Nowadays, it's like it's it's like that breather all the way it's, through. Yeah, you're like you're waiting for it. You're Stuff's waiting for slowly building up, and you're like you're waiting, you're waiting. You, just, you start to look at, you know, how many pages are left. And you're sitting there, you're like, is this shit ever gonna get good? What the fuck happened? What was that one that I read a couple of years ago? The Child of Kitsch, something of the Atom, Battle of the Atom, Battle, yeah, Battle of the Atom. Okay, you're like final issue of the Battle of the Atom is coming out, huh? <laughs> yeah, and that's just because uh, I read online a lot of people felt that way. They're like, well, we just followed this huge mini series <laughs> crossover. And essentially, nothing has happened whatsoever. How is it going to end in one issue? Yeah. And guess what? It really didn't end. Yeah. It's like uh, I was gonna I was gonna compare it to a movie that was sort of like that, like The Gray. You ever seen that with Liam Neeson? No, I heard it was horrible. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like exactly what you just said. Boom, 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 action, 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 and you're like, it slowly just starts to mellow out, like, halfway through the movie, and like, what the fuck is going on here, and there's, like, a little bit of action at the end, but you don't really see what happens, so you're like, wait, what, why did I watch this movie? <laughs> Nothing, it's like, I, I know you're probably never gonna watch it anyway. But... I know he runs off with the wolves. Wolves. No. No, he doesn't? No. It shows him running with a knife and the wolf running at him. And he's like, ah, and the wolf's like, and then it's like, boom, credits. Literally. So it was literally a whole waste of time. It was a whole fucking waste of time. I was like, you know what? I heard this this movie's all right. Like, it was when it first came out. I I heard this movie's all right. Cool, yeah. And then, like, I started reading reviews on it, like, as I'm watching it, and I'm like, Can I take a shower? I need to, like, clean all the shit that I just watched off of me. <laughs> really? I just took a bath in a pile of crap, please. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. And that's what it feels like. Comic books, it's just... Where's the beef? <laughs> Believe it or not, we are at our end. We're way past the end. Oh, I know. It was a good conversation, though. Yeah, it was. We're actually... For seeing red, we never go to an hour and thirty minutes, but we yeah. are, we're at an hour and thirty minutes. I enjoyed that though. It was, yeah. it was it was it was it was fun. It doesn't feel like it's almost four o'clock in the morning. No, no, it doesn't. 
but I, I, I sincerely, I enjoyed, you know, talking about this because it's not like a lot of people that read comic books understand comic books. They just read it for the sole, sole cause of reading it for, for the story. If they do read it for the story, it doesn't matter what kind of, what kind of comics you're into. It doesn't matter if it's X-Men. It doesn't matter if it's DC. It doesn't matter if it's Marvel. Matter, really. Yeah, no. Cause at, at the end, old, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say at the end of the day, if you are sincerely a comic book nerd, and you love it, and that is part of your life, and that is who you are, then there's a fucking convention for a reason. That's right. And the sad part is there's a convention that has no fucking comics in it. That is the worst thing possible. (laughs) called Comic Comic Con. And if you go to Comic Con, and you can't find any good comics to read, you might be seeing red. All right, we're going to close on that. All right, kids, for this week, I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Aaron Illich. And like you said, if you can't find no good comics to read, then you might be seeing red. Come back next week, and we'll do it all over again. <laughs> good night, kids. Welcome to Seeing Red.
Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com.